Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions podcast, where we discuss contemporary issues in cross-cultural urban ministry. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York, and today we're going to be addressing the question, what is evangelism? So I'd like to approach this topic from a few different angles. First, I want to talk about what we see as evangelistic practice in Scripture. Then I'd like to turn towards what uh, some of the common evangelistic practices are that we observe in urban ministry, or at least that our team has seen in different cities. And finally, I would like to turn to some suggested practices of what is coming out of our experimentation with GCMI as potential best practices in urban ministry and cross-cultural evangelism. So let's start with scripture. When we first encounter Jesus in the four Gospels in the New Testament, he is going around proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God. And in the most basic sense, this answers our question that evangelism is the sharing or proclamation about the coming kingdom of God. But I think if we look deeper at the way Jesus actually chooses to do this, there are some takeaways that are worth noting. Uh, I think we need to look at not only the fact that he is proclaiming, but what is the context and what is the content of that sharing? And I think that you could pick almost any examples from the four Gospels, but let's focus on a few. Let's take, for example, the woman at the well in John 4, the rich young ruler, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Zacchaeus, and and the telling of the prodigal son parable. What is it that all of these examples have in common that we might say holds together Jesus's evangelistic strategy, uh, and what, what principles could we derive from looking at these examples? I think the first takeaway for me is that all of Jesus's uh, proclamations or sharing about kingdom evolve from organic social interactions, that in all of the examples that we just named, Jesus is building on an already existing interaction or conversation that there is in some way a relationship, even if it's not more than a few minutes old, that Jesus is taking this interaction and transitioning to a presentation of kingdom. So with the woman at the well, he starts a conversation about water that moves to living water. Or with the rich young ruler, the the rich young ruler has approached Jesus and that in order to have this conversation, Jesus didn't walk up and just begin to dump this content on him. And even when Jesus is preaching in synagogues, or, or Paul for that matter, when they are preaching in a more formal sense, they're doing it in a context that already assumes the way in which they're communicating. And so they're not starting completely cold. They're starting with what is an appropriate contextual way of communicating. Uh, and they begin to build on, again, an organic social interaction in order to make this presentation. So that's the first takeaway of just what I observe in the way that Jesus has planned to do evangelism. The second takeaway for me is that when in the images and the concepts and the stories that Jesus chooses to utilize, uh, he deals with the everyday problems that are familiar to his audience, that Jesus will tell a parable about farming or about family, or Jesus will talk about the issues that are pressing to the people with whom he's trying to share the gospel, things about money, about reconciliation, about how to deal with the empire, about 
correct observance of religious law. But all of these things exist as known entities within the audience that Jesus is trying to present. And that in this way, the message of the kingdom of God is actually pretty expansive in terms of what it deals with. But it also is in some ways mundane in terms of what it's allowed to cover. And it should be obvious to us how the first and the second thing uh, relate to one another. That Jesus tends to start conversations that deal with the ordinary concerns of the people that he interacts with on the street and from town to town. And that he can very naturally transition to explaining or proclaiming how the kingdom of God is concerned with those same things. That you're dealing with money, you're dealing with uh, reconciliation, and this is the message about the kingdom in regards to those things. And so the everyday conversations are organic, but they're also where Jesus tends to stay when he is proclaiming the gospel. He doesn't tend to move away towards more ethereal or theoretical or even metaphysical issues, that the kingdom of God is in some ways very ordinary and is going to be compared to ordinary things. And I don't want to suggest that there aren't exceptions to that, but I just want to point out as a general rule that I think this is what I see in how Jesus chooses to go about evangelism. The final takeaway for me, just in terms of observing what I see in the Gospels, is that evangelism in Christ's ministry is part of a larger process of discipleship, that people are invited to come and follow Jesus, and along the way, they learn more and more about kingdom. And even among Jesus' disciples, when we look at him teaching things about the cross or the atonement, despite their larger understanding of kingdom and their having followed him for a long time, these deeper, heavier issues and teachings about the mission of God, they don't tend to understand. And in fact, they tend to be offended by this message about the death of Jesus or the suffering servant sort of images. And these are people who already have a working knowledge of kingdom. And so the, the point there being that for the larger uh, thrust of the gospel, Jesus tends to allow people to come gradually to discover the fuller message rather than starting with maybe even the most central pieces. Jesus begins in a relationship and organically builds using everyday conversations until people have come to a point that they might be able to discover or understand the message in full. I want to transition now to take a look at some of what our team has observed as common practices in urban evangelism. And I want to do this first by looking at three examples that are just things I've encountered recently in the city. The first, there was a minister that I met who was working as an evangelist in one of the same neighborhoods that I was. So we sat down and started to compare notes, and he was explaining his evangelistic strategy this way. He tends to approach people on the street, especially groups of people, and begin with the question, what are you doing to have your sins forgiven? And this question is meant to provoke either some sort of apologetic reaction from them or an admission of ignorance that they don't know what they're doing to have their sins forgiven. And then he proceeds to explain the death and resurrection of Jesus as the only sufficient means through which they might have their sins forgiven and enter into relationship with God. The second example, uh, recently I ran into a short-term missions team 
that had come up from one of the universities around the country for, I believe, their spring break. And they had created some tracks that they had translated into the local language of one of the immigrant communities that I work in. And these tracks had a series of sacrifice stories from the Old Testament that were meant to explain to the reader that blood sacrifice is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. And then and the last story was the death and resurrection of Jesus, explaining that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice to have one's sins forgiven, enter back in a good relationship with God. The third example I actually just ran into this last week. I was riding the train down to Harlem, and a young man got on and proceeded to make a slam poetry presentation of the atonement, and he ended in an altar call for anyone on the train car who wished to come forward and proclaim belief in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. All three of these examples, uh, even though they're different in terms of how they go about presenting the message, are what our team refers to as a gospel presentation approach to evangelism. In a gospel presentation, the evangelist condenses their understanding of the gospel into a single telling or teaching so that they can communicate the message within a single evangelistic interaction. And this is common in New York, and it's pretty common to my experience just overall in faith, that the gospel presentation approach tends to be not only what most people think of when they think of evangelism, but also what most people are trained to do if they've had any evangelistic training or coaching. And I want to be very clear that I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong or bad about the gospel presentation approach. I don't think that the people who are doing it are doing bad ministry. There are a few reasons, though, that I want to suggest why I don't think that this is best practice for urban evangelism. So I want to turn to those points now using the examples that I just gave, but knowing that those are actually uh, pretty common ways of going about evangelism just across the board within sort of American urban ministry. So the first observation that I want to make about this gospel presentation approach is that it tends to be inorganic in the way that it approaches social interactions, that they're unlike what we saw in the way that Jesus chose to do evangelism or proclaim the kingdom. Within the gospel presentation approach, typically there isn't much of a conversation or prior relationship to build on. And so we are trying to launch into a message without really understanding the person sitting across from us or how they might interpret the message or what their history of faith will be, or even if we're using language that's familiar to them. And when we do that, we place the other person in, frankly, an awkward social setting in which they're as likely to not respond positively because of how they feel about us as the messenger as because of how they feel about the message itself. And so this, this inorganic social approach can sometimes shoot us in the foot because we're not sure that what we're reading from the hearer, whether it's a response to the message or a response to the messenger. The second observation that I want to make about the gospel presentation approach is that it tends to utilize images and concepts that are not readily understood within the everyday lives of the people addressed. And this is, again, in contrast to what we were just discussing uh, that we see in Jesus within the four gospels. But in all of the examples that I gave about this common practice in New York, the primary image or message to which the gospel has been condensed down to is atonement that gospel has been 
made the exact same message as crucifixion and forgiveness of sins. And while the cross and the atonement are certainly central to the gospel, when that is the only image or message presented within a gospel presentation, what we've done is cut off the larger picture of kingdom that actually made up the majority of Jesus's preaching. So I can I can make a presentation about the atonement and you might respond positively. But what do you understand about the rest of the things that the kingdom of God might call you to change in your life? What do you understand about money or reconciliation or forgiveness or empire or all of the things that we actually talked about seeing Jesus preach that are every day? One of the other things that is problematic about utilizing such a singular image or concept is that the cross and the atonement typically aren't understood outside the context of kingdom. We noted that at the beginning, that Jesus tends to reserve his preaching about the crucifixion for the people in in his inner circle, and that even those people don't tend to understand it until they have a very full picture of kingdom in which to interpret cross. And so in some ways, if our gospel presentation is centered on atonement, and that is the only message we're there to proclaim, we do a disservice to the people that we're presenting to because maybe they don't have the opportunity to see the context in which they would interpret the cross. And this is an issue that I actually bring up a lot when I do evangelistic trainings around the country with churches. Uh, One of the maxims that I use is to say, if you only know how to have one conversation, you can only have one conversation. And I know that seems like common sense, but it's something that happens a lot within evangelistic trainings is that when people go out only prepared to have the one gospel presentation conversation, they generally are not empowered to have the conversation that the hearer is ready to have. And so I come and I speak to you about the atonement and maybe you misunderstood me or maybe you were turned off because of how I approached you, but There may have been things going on in your life that if I had started with listening and started with a more organic approach to you as a person, then there may be some things about the message of the kingdom of God that we could start to build on and work towards. The third thing that I find problematic about the gospel presentation approach as a best practice is that it causes evangelism to hang on a single interaction rather than taking place within a discipling relationship. And this is related to what I just said a moment ago about only being able to have a single conversation. But by making evangelism something that takes place before or even outside the context of discipling, the gospel presentation approach assumes that the only people who are spiritually receptive are people who believe in the kingdom of God before ever being asked to follow Jesus or participate in a life of faith. And so I go and I present the atonement to you. Do you believe this? If you do, then come and join us in this community of faith and come try to follow Jesus. And again, this is inverting what we saw taking place within the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels. That evangelism there was something that took place along the way as you were already following Jesus as a disciple. But in the Gospel presentation approach, we tend to only allow people to be spiritually receptive through a single interaction And this not only robs them of the opportunity to discover things about kingdom and slowly build and expand their notion of the good news, but it also limits them to a single telling in order to process or decide whether this might be something that they believe in. 
that's probably more than enough deconstruction about the gospel presentation approach. So what I'd like to do now is turn towards some of the things that we're doing uh, in global cities that we're finding to be best practices for urban evangelism. The way that we suggest when we do trainings and when we have new missionaries to do evangelism uh, is what we call a mosaic approach. And this is how we describe it. We say that uh, sharing the gospel with someone is like building a mosaic for them. And a mosaic is one image that's made up of lots of small parts and pieces. And in this case, the images of the kingdom of God that we're trying to create a picture for the people we're speaking to about who God is and what God's kingdom is. But we build it small piece by small piece. And that at the center of that picture is the cross. The death and resurrection of Jesus is at the very center of the picture of the kingdom of God. But if the cross is the only piece that we put up there, they don't actually know what the image is going to be. If the cross is the only piece of the mosaic, then the image isn't complete. And until enough of the image is up there, until we've put enough pieces of the mosaic in place for the person we're speaking to to see what it's a picture of, then the task of evangelism is not done yet. So this is the mosaic approach. And I want to talk about it as practically as possible, because the number one question that I get when I go and do evangelism trainings, uh, even when I explain the mosaic approach, people may say, yeah, yeah, that's good. But where do I actually start? How do I actually begin to do this? And so that's where I want to camp out for the rest of this podcast. How do we actually begin to share the gospel with our neighbors if we are going to take this mosaic approach? So the exercise that we have people conduct when we do evangelism training, again, whether it's at churches around the country or it's a new uh, GCMI missionary, this is what we tell people to do. We say, sit down and write out the five topics of conversation that are going to consistently occur with your normal relationships. So if it's your neighbors, if it's your coworkers, if it's your roommates, whoever you speak to on the regular, just during the week, what topics of conversation are going to come up? And for most people, what they write down are things like money and work and family, uh, for some people, politics. And they can pretty much guarantee that within their weekly schedule, within their normal interactions, these are the things that are going to get talked about. And the same goes for me in New York. Uh, though most of my conversations with New Yorkers tend to begin with complaining, um, they are about the generally same topics. It's complaining about money, complaining about your boss, complaining about your coworkers, complaining about things that are going on in your household. But I can pretty much guarantee when I walk out my front door what topics of conversation are going to come up when I interact with my friends and acquaintances. So that's what we tell people to do first. Figure out what gets talked about. And if you're trying to reach a new population or you're trying to reach out to maybe the community around your church where you don't have existing relationships, the first task is going to be to figure out what those conversations are. You need to go out and you need to speak to enough people and listen well enough to figure out what a normal conversation is. And this brings me to one of the other maxims that we talk about a lot in evangelism is that if you can't have a conversation with somebody, you can't have a spiritual conversation with somebody. If you can't talk to them about unimportant things, for most people, they don't want to talk to you about important things. And so when we're looking at trying to take an organic social interaction as the basis for an evangelistic conversation, the first thing we need to do is say, okay, 
before I figure out what spiritual conversation I want to have, let me figure out what conversations I'm able to have here. Once we know what the normal conversations are that are going on around us, the task then is going to be to come up with some spiritual statements that we can make that point towards either our identity as a disciple or some principle about the kingdom of God that is related to the topic being discussed. So uh, let me give you an example just from my own ministry. Um, in my relational circles, money is talked about all the time. And like I said, a lot of times those conversations begin with complaining about money. So uh, not so long ago, I was out about trying to do some evangelistic work, and I ran into my friend Ray. And so I asked Ray how his family was doing, and he started complaining to me about one of his sisters who he had had to give money to to pay her rent. And he was explaining how this is a common occurrence and he felt taken advantage of, but, you know, you don't loan money to family, you just give money to family. And so I said to him, you know, Ray, I really respect that. I said, one of the things that Jesus said is that anybody can give money knowing it's going to be repaid. But only people that really understand generosity give money knowing it won't be repaid. So I know you're not a really religious guy, but you know that's something as a Christian that's important to me, that kind of generosity. I respect that. And Ray's eyes lit up and he said, really, where did Jesus say that? And so then we opened up the New Testament and started to read some stories out of the gospel. And nobody would argue that that comment about money that I made is the end-all, be-all of gospel. But the point is that we're always talking about money in my neighborhood. And so by being able to transition that into a small piece of this mosaic of gospel, I'm now able to take the organic social interactions that are happening around me and use the everyday concepts and problems that are being talked about around me and open the door to have a conversation about the kingdom of God. And I can do this conversation every day of the week and slowly build piece by piece until my friends like Ray have a fuller image of kingdom. And at that point, I'm able to have some of the heavier conversations like the cross and the atonement because there's a larger context for them to observe it within. And I could give a lot of examples about making these kind of spiritual statements, but I don't want to do that today because that's actually going to be the subject of our next podcast. The next episode is going to be about how to form and make spiritual statements. And so I just want to let that one example hold for today. And I want to focus finally on why I think that this mosaic approach is going to move us towards best practice for urban evangelism. I think the first thing that, that we at GCMI like about the mosaic approach is that it places the emphasis of evangelism back on kingdom rather than on atonement. And I think in doing that, it places the atonement within the right context, that Jesus' death and resurrection need to be understood through the lens of kingdom. And really, without the larger message about the kingdom of God, I don't think that we give people the opportunity to really understand the message of the cross. So I think that's one of the first strengths of the approach. I think the second is that the Mosaic approach empowers everyday believers and Christians to do the work of evangelism. One of the things that I've noticed about urban ministry, or ministry in general, is that we in the American church have tended to specialize most ministry roles. Things like evangelism and teaching and church planting are for highly trained, highly educated, particularly gifted people. And I don't actually think that that's true. I just think that's how that we've treated it. 
And so by taking the mosaic approach in which normal everyday interactions are open to sharing the message of the kingdom of God and that the evangelist is empowered to slowly build and form this message of kingdom, this good news for their friends and neighbors, uh, we open up the task of evangelism to the priesthood of all believers. The third thing that I like about the mosaic approach is that it allows evangelism to take place within a discipling relationship rather than a single interaction. And so it allows us to go out and try to make disciples or open evangelistic opportunities with our friends and neighbors, but it doesn't put them in the position of needing to respond or make a decision of faith within a single setting. It allows us to develop trust and mutual respect slowly over time as piece by piece we as the evangelists try to build this mosaic of kingdom for them. So I want to end on a practical challenge. Uh, for you as a listener, what I want to challenge you to do is to go out this week and try to figure out what those topics of conversation are that are going on around you. What is already being talked about that as you engage in conversation with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your family, that you can begin to utilize these interactions to put those small pieces of the mosaic in place, those initial parts of this picture about the good news of the kingdom of God. So I want to challenge you to go out this week and to listen well and to try to think up some ways that you can begin to make these spiritual statements in conversation. And like I said, for our next episode, we're going to be focusing on how to form and make those spiritual statements. But in order to do that, first, we need to know what's being talked about. So that's my challenge to you this week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Global City Missions podcast. Be sure and subscribe for more episodes, and you can find out more information about uh, Global City Mission Initiative on our website at www.globalcitymission.org, or you can visit us on our Facebook and Twitter.